Welcome to Promo Cares Radio, where we dive into the good being done in the promotional products industry. From general philanthropy to cause marketing to giving programs, we're here to shine a light on those inspiring stories that are helping to improve the world through promo. And now, Promo Cares Radio with your host, Roger Burnett. This is Promo Cares Radio. My name is Roger Burnett, co-founder and president of Promo Cares and vice president of sales for Branded Logistics. As the host of Promo Cares Radio, I serve as your goodness valet, delivering stories about the awe-inspiring and inspirational ways promotional products distributors and suppliers are doing good in the communities they live and serve. The story of how this particular conversation came to be is unique in and of itself. Just over two months ago in early April, the Canadian community of Humboldt, Saskatchewan, and the entirety of the hockey world was shaken by an awful bus accident that took the lives of a number of the Humboldt Broncos hockey players as they traveled to a playoff game in a neighboring community. Parents of hockey players, hockey players of all shapes and sizes, even professional players included, all of us really involved in the game of hockey will carry that accident and the resultant response from both inside and outside the sport as a continued legacy to the spirit of the game. A spirit that finds camaraderie even after the nastiest and most spirited of competition during the game itself. In what other sport do teams line up after a playoff series and shake hands with the competitor from the other side? So I, as the father of a junior hockey player myself, was connected to Kelsey Huffnagel of MR Promotions in Saskatoon in the explosion of community involvement that occurred in the moments after the accident. As any, and really, gosh, all of us, with any opportunity to do so, we're looking for ways to help. We've managed to stay in touch even during the darkest of times, and I thought, what better Promo Cares Radio can be found than in a story about members of our industry rushing to help, connected by nothing more than a mutual love for a sport, a sense of community, and a desire to just do something. So, Kelsey, thanks so much for taking the time to spend some time with me today. Thank you so much, Roger. I just listening to you recap what has gone on in the last, I guess, seventy-three days to be exact. Um, I I wasn't expecting to be emotional, but listening to it all over again is um, it's overwhelming, um, and it's really still, honestly, uh, seventy-three days later, still very hard to believe. Um, you're right, though. It, it it's unbelievable how, in the face of tragedy, something can bring people that are two countries apart or a country apart uh, away from each other. And and uh, I find myself cheering for your son and <laughs> in uh, his in his junior hockey. And and uh, it, it's it's amazing uh, what has transpired actually from the tragedy and and the relationships that I've made since then. It's it's interesting to me to drive in the car with my son and have him ask me, Dad, who is Kelsey and Ryan Huffnagel and why are they like so excited about us being successful and being able to share the story with them, with, with Ryan. And so I just, Kelsey, I wanted to make sure that you understood that that story made its way back to the team and the organizational leadership. They, they wanted us to pass along, you know, the... The, the center ice prayer that we did for the team, you know, that, that, that's a moment in time. But I think you and I both know that within the hockey community, we have a tendency to stick together for the long run. So uh, I'm super excited that, um, that we got a chance to, to bring this story 
you know, to the to the Promo Cares Radio Airwaves and, and talk a little bit about how promotional products and your presence there had something to do with the story. So um, I, I would I'm actually uh, kind of happy that we waited the 73 days because I think just like you, I, I don't know if we would have done this sooner that either one of us would have gotten through this conversation without being emotional. So. Um, you know, I, I would say let's let's do our best. <laughs> um, but you know, this this story has a broader context. I think now, seventy three days later, and so there's some benefit I think to having a little bit of perspective. You know, I would tell you that it's often in the days and the weeks and the months, really the months leading after a tragedy like this, that you know the rest of us affected have a way of going back to our real lives and you know it's just the members of the immediate community that are left to deal with that new reality of what's happened and the ways that people's lives have been affected you know in sad ways like you said but also in some inspiring and uplifting ways as well so we're going to make sure that we cover both sides of that and that we present you know kind of the the good and the bad along the way so are you okay with that as the basis of the discussion yeah absolutely and if I may, um, it's very touching to hear uh, about your son asking and inquiring and wondering. It's such a testament to the hockey world and how closely connected it really is. Um, and to hear that, and, and I, you know, we, we weren't even in, involved directly in this, in this accident, but we're closely, you know, connected. And to see the to see everyone rallying around their peers, around their teammates, and sending their prayers to total strangers is heartwarming and inspiring in and of itself. And we thank you. And and side note, your son is a is a true leader, and he must obviously get that from somewhere. And congratulations to the Mudbugs on their championship. I was excited to to be able to cheer from from Canada and and uh, I'm really grateful that you have asked me to be on the program. Yeah, it thank was, you so much. You're so welcome, and my face is still somewhat sore from smiling. Even, gosh, it's it's been a, it's been a month now since it's been over, but that uh, was great. Man, All right. man, those smiles they they spread more smiles our way so that was awesome <laughs> you got it well and i would tell you just kind of we'll we'll leave the the notion of hockey players around the world leaving their sticks on by the front door with the light on as a commemorate commemoration of the players on the team is you know not something i think that any of us will soon forget it was it was just it was incredible all right so we're gonna let that go because you and i could go on about that for hours so kelsey Let's talk about you a little bit. So, you know, obviously for most of our listeners, this is the first time knowing about Kelsey Huffnagel, about MR Promotions and Apparel in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. So what, what would you want the world to know about you when it pertains to your general everyday life? Well, first of all, you nailed it. Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. <laughs> I'm pretty impressed. Um you know, Roger, I'm not one to talk about myself, and I, I actually find myself blushing. I've I've always been a, a helper and a and a and a caregiver and a taker care of, and and I've I've never really actually um, put much focus on myself. But Kelsey is, you know, I'm I I was born and raised on a farm in a near a small town of 350, 400 people. Um, the oldest 
war and I guess very far away from the real world. I was naive to every aspect of, of the world when you grow up in the fields and the trees. Um, but I was very competitive. Uh, we grew up with a, you know, a, a mom and a dad who were competitive people, and and we were competitive. And in small in small town Saskatchewan, um, sports is your is your outlet. Sports is what you do. It's it's a way of connecting, and it's and it's your social your social life. Um, so growing up in in a small town community and and being a leader you know, on my sports teams and. And um, in my school, uh, and and then for my province on a on a provincial volleyball team for four years, followed by playing for a volleyball team on uh, for the University of Saskatchewan, um, really molded me as a as a natural leader, as a as a a great teammate, as and eventually as a coach for the last 20 years um, alongside uh, my efforts at being a, a single mom for the last, I guess, 13 or maybe more years, uh, single income. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're competitive and you're, and you're, you know, naturally talented, my, Roger, you might find this a little bit of a fun fact, my sales experience started at the age of 18 oh yeah or a junior hockey team come on Saskatchewan how about that um it was my summer job and a good friend who uh his name was uh Lee Odeline and, and the reason I mention that is there may be listeners who know of the Odelines or were a fan of uh, possibly Selmer Odeline who you know played with Wayne Gretzky and the Edmonton Oilers before he was uh, injured and, and went off to, to play in England and then and then uh, Lyle Odeline who right. won the cup with um, the Montreal Canadiens back in 93 and then went on to be the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets and it was their brother who, well their whole family was close good friends of, of mine and, and their brother was coaching the Yorkton Terriers, a junior team out of uh, Yorkton Saskatchewan and and I just, I was a naive 18-year-old, uh, volleyball playing, uh, baseball playing, track and fielder, who just went and went to help a friend. Um, I lived with him and his wife, and, and they said, this is what we need you to do. And and I did it, and, and they put me in charge of selling advertising uh-huh. for the team. And so that's what I did, and, and I didn't realize at the time, I was so naive, I didn't realize how great I was at what I was doing until <laughs> they said that I was invited to their annual general meeting so that they could recognize nobody had ever sold that much. You're natural. Um, for the junior team. And so um, I just was kind of reflecting, you know, in, in this past few weeks, I was, I've been reflecting on that, that it's really odd that I now have a son playing junior hockey. I, I'm talking to somebody who just had a son who, you know, won a, a, a championship at a very high level of junior hockey. And and that's where my sales career actually began. Yeah, that's in, neat. In junior hockey. That's neat. And I suspect a lot of that had to do with the fact that you were uh, selling a product that you believed in 
that you were passionate about. And when you're competitive and you believe in something, it has a way of often translating into success. So I'm not surprised about that at all. But you know, um, what I so a, a town of 400. That's that's so amazing. It, let, let's touch on kind of a little bit of the the geography of the area and uh, what makes it unique when <laughs> with respect to trying to be in business out there. Great question um, and a challenge at best. Uh, the geography of, of Saskatchewan is well, it's quite vast. We are a province um, that is six. 151,000 square kilometers, which is the equivalent of 252,000 square miles. Uh, we are largely a prairie. We are considered a prairie province, um, but we also, uh, to the north of our province, heavily uh, forest uh, populated uh, forest and lakes. Um, but going back to our population and our, and our geography, uh, I had mentioned earlier that if, if you can put this into perspective and for your listeners, the state of California and the state of Texas geographically could fit into our, into, into our province easily, into the size of our province easily. And we are a population of 1.1 million. Oh, yeah, yeah. And California and Texas combined are 66 million. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to the promo industry, <laughs> and, you know, we, we have two what we would call large city centers. Um, in the grand scheme of things, they'd probably be more like small towns. Um, but uh, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, a tough, it's a tough market to be in just because of our large land mass and our small population. Yeah, for sure. So what I know from my time traveling throughout Canada is one, Canadians always will tell you that their hockey players will beat American hockey players. That's a given. But <laughs> the, thing, the thing that I would say that is um, what makes hockey unique to Canada is frequently the neighborhood rink is also the center of social activity for that community. So I certainly I'd love for you to touch on what Humboldt Can meant I? for that area, but just to touch on that, you know, you, you worked for another junior team as well. So kind of express to the listeners kind of what, how, how the fabric of hockey works in small town Canada. Oh gosh, I would love to. I'm, this is, uh, this is one of my favorite questions because if I can go back to the beginning, the rink, the hockey rink, is it is the place of it is the community gathering place. And and when when we were young, and even in our small town of four hundred people, that rink, there was not a time when there were not people and and hockey teams playing on that ice. You had moms and dads and families who would bring their play pens, pack them up and plunk them into the rink for the entire day and people's toddlers and babies would be laying in their play pens unattended. I mean, small town, everybody knew everybody and as soon as you could walk 
and get up and down the stairs on your own. You were free to go. And you knew every nook and cranny of that rink. You cheered loud for every single person who stepped foot on that ice. And when you were off the ice, you were sitting at the picnic tables, socializing with the players, with the families, cheering in the, in the stands. I mean, it is incredible. And I am so passionate about telling this story about how hockey is, is the fabric of, 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 Central, uh, of Central Canada, of, of Canada, of course, um, but of our province and in our small communities. If I may, it is, it is the, the reason why the tragedy was on such a scale. Right. Because it is in, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it is in our blood here. And yeah. I mean, look at, at 18 years old, I was doing sales for a junior hockey team. I mean, that hockey is life here. Right. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, there's there's elements of that that are so central to both the hopes and the fears of parents when it comes to allowing your child to pursue the highest levels of his competitive ability, but knowing in the process of doing so that in many ways you're relinquishing control of their lives at a time that is many times younger than what me as a dad with a high school senior may have had to have gone through when it came to that that moment with my son. So, you know, it, it, that's what I think is so, touched us all so, so closely is that, you know, every every father and mother of a hockey player, regardless of level, puts their kid on a bus at some point. And to, to know that, you know, not not just the fact that it happened, but how it happened and, you know, where it happened and all of those things really was such a lightning rod. Um, so uh, from your perspective, Kelsey, I mean, talk a little bit about what your uh, interaction with, with the Broncos had been sort of up until the accident. Kind of get, give a picture there. Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, being that Humboldt was our central community, the Humboldt Broncos is, is, a, is a junior team in the SJHL, which is the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. Um so to put that into perspective, um, there's a 47-year history of, of hockey there um, in the SJHL alone and, and a long history of, of success in, in the province and on the national level. In, in total, between the SJHL, so the Humboldt um, community, uh, you know, going back to my statement earlier about how you know growing up at the rink is is commonplace when you have junior hockey in Saskatchewan that becomes your central you know that that's your entertainment those are the hockey heroes that are out there playing and everybody near and far will come to watch um you know these local junior uh hockey players that are aspiring to move on in their hockey career and Complete strangers are filling that arena and, and cheering for for these boys and and the you know the draw for for the Humboldt Broncos and and how you know how we were connected is you know that that's our that's our home that's our home base uh, and and we lived there for 
um, I want to say four years, like in the actual town itself, which is, oh, I want to say population around 6,500 people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my connection with the team goes back to the, the minor hockey. So your humble Bronco junior team is, they're like the, they're like the, the hockey heroes, like I was saying, and so they're they're minor hockey leading up to the to the, to the junior team. They're called the the humble Broncos as well, and and that is where my son Robbie played the majority of his. Um, I guess you call it, I don't know what you would call it in the states, but his double A. Yeah, just his um, youth hockey stuff. Yeah, hockey. <clears throat> now, uh, for a handful of the boys who were on that team. Robbie played with them. In in fact, one of the the goalies who I think I just read, uh, Jacob Wasserman was was Robbie's goalie partner for three seasons. Uh, the two of them shared the net. Uh, my son's a goaltender, and um, he was just released from the hospital. I think yesterday. Oh wow! And um, but but Jacob and and. Uh, you know, Lane and, and the other Jacob who passed away, who are really good family friends of ours, and, um, you know, a cousin, actually, a cousin to Lee, who I worked for with the, with the Yorkton Terriers. Um, his son, unfortunately, passed away, and one of my best friends still has a, a son in the hospital. And, and to respect their privacy, I obviously won't go into any of the details of that, but um, it, it affected us so deeply deeply because these weren't just boys that my son played hockey with. I mean, these were people that I had coffee with or our family went once a week to, you know, um, I kid you not, our, our tradition was to meet together once a week away from the rink and yep. just be family yep. and, and watch Survivor together. That was, <laughs> that was, that was our thing. So we, so we would be together once a week or you know, on the deck having coffee, and and our sons would be out front playing road hockey for hours upon hours, yeah. and and if if these boys weren't in the rink, thousands of hours spent in that rink. Yes. No, no kidding there. Yeah. These boys were out at the outdoor rink. Yeah. So if they're not at the outdoor rink, or they're not in the Elk Peterson Arena on the ice together, then they're on the ball field together playing baseball. Yeah. I mean. I think a little bit is, has been lost in it. Some of these these boys were multi-sport athletes. Like my, my son played in Western Canadians um, with some of these boys uh, in 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 baseball, and I coached these boys in volleyball because they already knew ten sports. They wanted to learn volleyball too. So <laughs> Mama Mama Huff is what they all called me, and they said, "Mama Huff, we want you to coach us in." Uh, in volleyball, we want you to teach us, and we spent a winter in the gym in their off time from the ice, and they would come to the gym, and I taught them how to play volleyball. Yeah. And, you know, so these kids weren't just hockey teammates. Yeah. These kids were friends to the, to the core. Yeah. And, you know, now, of course, we, as a single mom, professionally, career-wise, I had to move away from Humboldt and into the city of Saskatoon, which is about a, an hour away, for my kids who went to school with these boys. Um, and, and it's not all of the boys. 
I mean, there are boys on that team that are from the province of Manitoba sure. and Alberta. Yeah. And I really want to stress, yes, this was the Humboldt organization, Humboldt Broncos organization, but I don't want to forget about the boys from Manitoba, the boys from Alberta, yeah. um, that were also a major part of this team. Sure. But it, it affected us so much so that life stopped. And I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be have been one of those parents. Right. And, you know, when I got the text message from our good friends that night that Robbie's teammate had gone to heaven, it became very real, very fast. Yeah. And everything stopped. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, I don't think I need to belabor the point, but I think what we're, what we're saying here is that, that, that was family. That, that was, you know, family, family is not always your blood. And one of the things that the sport teaches you is when you're spending six, eight, 12, 16, 24 hours a week with the same people, they have a way, the ones that you find that are family find their way to you. And that, you know, so when we say what we're saying about what happened, you know, it's it's difficult not to to present it as it really is. It's members of your family that that are that are going through it this is. going through this tragedy. And so, it, so you, and I think it goes back to your point in in saying how the mudbugs met at at center ice and 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 had a prayer because they know. All of these hockey players in in North America know. I mean, you even saw it at at the at the um, Stanley Cup yeah. championship level at, at the NHL level. Yeah. Um, in fact, I, I really do want to mention this. Right now, the boys are either on their way or they're already there, spending time in Las Vegas for the NHL yeah. awards. Yeah. Uh, as their coach is going to be their their deceased coach is going to be the recipient of, a, of an award so the survivors are actually um you know together in in um in las vegas and and uh, you know i i don't know i i could go on and on about this for, uh, forever but everybody in some way seems to be connected to this and i think it's because of the fabric that plays a role how hockey plays a role in the in the fabric of our livelihoods when you're involved in in this sport. Yep, that's I can't can't say it more. So you get you get notification the the world stops. You're a helper. You are you are uh, an overachiever. You immediately are you know both obviously grief stricken, but immediately immediately thinking to yourself, okay. I, I want to help here. This is this is going to be not good, and we're going to need a whole bunch of people to help. And I mean, I, I would I would describe what I found you in at the moment. I found you as full blown chaos. Um, so chaos. so so talk talk um, a little bit about sort of that early stage morning, and some of the stuff. <laughs> yeah, the next morning. I mean, so we we not only heard that, um, but we also heard. Um, through a close source that one of Robbie's other close friends and, and one of the women I would consider in my life one of my best friends that her son had also died and then 
uh, I woke up in the morning after a very long night, um, woke up early in the morning to a text from her at 7.30 a.m. saying, he's alive, to seven minutes later hearing another text that he was dead. Mm. And, I mean, so there was there was so much back and forth, and it was awful. And I just want to back up a little bit to the fact about where I was in my business 73, 74, 75 days ago. I had just found out in the third week of February that my position was cut, my management position was cut. And I had... I had, as a single mom and a single income, I mean, it was devastating, devastating for one sure. thing. Yeah. Um, it's been challenging enough as it is. And, you know, I was faced with, I was faced with a crossroads. Do I go and seek out another management position that, you know, could pay me as well? How do I keep a roof over our heads? How do I keep my son in hockey? How do I keep food on the table? You know, what am I going to find that's going to be a, a, com, a comparative um, wage? Or do I finally take on this side gig, if you will, hmm. um, that I had started about a year ago uh, prior to that uh, in a way to supplement my income? You know, I was faced with, do I start this this company? Do I get it going? And after three days of, of not not joking, laying in my bed, sulking and, and depressed, not knowing what to do next. We've faced so many challenges over the last 15 years. And I just woke up one morning, and it's go time. It's go I, time. I don't have time. And I said, this is it. It's now or never. This is when I seize the opportunity and, and build this company the way that I want to build it. And um, so it was, you know, all hands on deck, let's get going. Huh. And next thing you know, I'm spending 16 hours a day trying to figure out what the framework and foundation was going to be to put in place. And then the tragedy struck. I'm not kidding you. That afternoon, I had just registered with our local Chamber of Commerce, and they just put the shout out on our Chamber of Commerce website that I was opening for business. And when you're in a small community and a tragedy happens, uh, there was no, all of a sudden the world stopped, Roger. Yeah. So on Saturday morning, if it was even a Saturday morning, I mean, I don't even remember now, but um, we're driving to the city. Uh, we just live on the outskirts of the city and, and we're driving into the city and, and my, a good friend of mine who happened to be one of my employees uh, formerly, um, she had texted me when I was at home that morning, and she said, Kelsey, you have to do something. You have to make a T-shirt. You have to do something. And I said, there's no way, Erin, that I am going to do that. I'm, I am not going to bring attention to my company in the face of this tragedy. And she said, but Kelsey, these are your people. This is your Home. These are your son's friends. They're your son's former teammates. And I said, "Yes, but I don't want—I don't want to become known as the company who's trying to gain." The thing is, Roger, is 
it can be construed as helping because that's what you immediately want to do, or it can be construed as trying to, uh, you know, gain popularity for your, your business and trying to profit. And I'll go into that a little bit later, but I said no. I said there's no way. No way I can do it. And so I'm, I'm driving down the road discussing this with my son, Robbie, and, you know, he's just learning that this time we think two of his good friends are, are, are now dead. And, uh, you know, a few of them, well, I mean, there were how many of them in the hospital? Yeah. And we didn't know what the status of them were. Right. And we're just, everybody's freaking out. It's, like you said, it's complete chaos. And I said to him, the only thing you can think of, at least for me and for, for my kids, is what can we do to help? Right. How are we going to help? And I said to my son, I said, do we do something? Um, and I, t- I told him what my friend had p- proposed, and he said, yeah, I think we have to, Mom. And and I said, well, if we do, like, what, what do you think we should do? I said, I- I'm scared. I'm scared because we're brand new and we're just trying to launch. Right. Because some of my closest competition is from Humboldt, is from Saskatoon an hour, you know, only an hour away. And, 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 and I didn't want people thinking that I was trying to launch my business in the face of this tragedy. And, and so Robbie says, you know what, Mom, we can't think of it that way. We need to help. And he said, uh, honestly, he goes, I see a cross made out of hockey sticks. I see um, his vision was that he saw a uh, hockey jersey and some skates. And and he said, if, if that's something that we could put on a shirt, that's what I would want on, on the shirt. And this was not even 24 hours after the accident. Yeah. This was long before the sticks out. This was long before the memorial, the makeshift memorial was made. And that was when I reached out to the promo community, and I, I, I put out a message, and I, I was faced with an internal dilemma, honestly, Roger. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And that was when I, I made my heartfelt post on, on the, the private group and had an overwhelming response, both on the post itself, through private message, and eventually through email and then phone calls. And so there I was. Here we go. Everybody wants to support this. And now we're going to take it to the to, to the next level. And I, I'm... Uh, <laughs> par- parallels. Um, I, I've been known to say that the promotional products industry is the most huggy industry I've ever met. You know, it's not very often in other sales professions that when you encounter your suppliers or perhaps even your competitors that you hug them hello. It doesn't happen nearly as often as you would think because it happens very frequently in the promotional products industry. And to me, I think what you and I know best is just how similar these two communities really are. And it has much to do with what I think you witnessed in that moment of vulnerability when you said, I'm not sure what to do. I just know I need to do something. And can you all help me? Yeah, I, I, I wanted Originally, I was seeking help with my dilemma, my, my actual dilemma of, is this a wise business choice yeah. or not? Yeah. Um, 
and then there wasn't even there that was completely ignored it was like wait no we want to help you what can we do yeah and that i had i have to just say thank you united states of america <laughs> promotional product industry i love you Aww. from the bottom of my heart and i'm going to tell you why i had and it's probably because our industry in Canada is so much smaller, but I had so much response and offers of help from the promo industry in the USA that I was completely flabbergasted, and I am very grateful for that. And as a result, it has in turn changed sort of, in a way, the direction of my business and my respect for it, and now my passion for it even further. And you're right. In this industry, I think my call out for help, when it relates to sports, if you think about it, Roger, when you, when you come from a sporting background, a lot of us that probably are in the pro industry, I bet you in some way, shape, or form, were connected prior in a, in, in a sport in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, we're competitive. We're natural leaders. We know how to operate on a team. So we know how to operate on a team and against a team. Right. And, and, and hence, in, in the promo, you know, world, you know, our competitors. You know, in the hockey world, they're your fiercest competitors. You know, the other team is the fiercest they're the fiercest competitors against one another, but when it comes all down to it, you're still brothers. Well, and and to your point, most most of the boys that my sons played against for the last three years are people that we've played with and against for ten years. So, yeah, just because that boy happens to be wearing a different sweater right now doesn't change the fact about how you feel about him and or his or her parents. So, well, that. That's right, and that team that Humboldt was going to play against in the playoffs, the Nippon Hawks, some of the boys that were on that Nippon team, all of our boys had played together, uh, I don't know, was it four years earlier on a, on a spring hockey team, um, and that brought them together as brothers. So now all of a sudden, not only do you have the community of, of Humboldt in mourning, You've got the community, well, you have everyone in mourning, but Nippowin, the, the those were some of their teammates prior as well, right? Course, so yep. you're right. Oh, it's so connected <laughs> in so many ways. So many ways. And the, and the parallels to our industry are just, they're so distinct and so obvious. So it is 73 days since then, Kelsey. What, looking back on these 73 days, what, what's changed? What's changed for your business? What's changed for you? What's changed as a result of what's happened? I think the first thing that changed for me was making the decision. And even though I made the decision to go ahead and do something, that something actually hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. I'll go into that in a bit. Um, at that point in time, that day, uh, I had... Uh, I was so busy getting all my ducks in a row, and I, I had missed um, the uh, fellow that I was supposed to sign the lease agreement with for the space that I was going to be leasing in the community that I'm living. Um, 
that was going to cost me quite a bit. Uh, the overhead was going to be quite large to take on. And, and I didn't sign the lease that day with him. And, and we said, well, you know, we'll get together Monday or Tuesday. Um, but this was back at the beginning of April. And I wasn't going to be able to physically get into the space until June 1st. And then June 1st, I was going to have to uh, do the tenancy improvements to it to make it into the space that I wanted. And I had three months to do that. And essentially, I wasn't actually going to be operational until... August or September. So then Friday night happened the accident, and then Saturday happened the decision, uh, or I guess it was the call out on on Facebook. Uh, Sunday started putting things into action, and emails started, and and the the people that I was going to work with began, and, and then all of a sudden I was faced with, I don't have an office. I don't have a a space to work out of. How am I going to accomplish this massive fundraiser that we had just decided to embark upon? And the original intention was to do it in uh, for the families. And I needed space, so I, I put a call out in my corporate networking community that I was looking for a place to operate out of temporarily for the sake of doing this fundraiser for the sake of having room and space to fulfill it and and uh, get things going. I needed a, a, I needed a spot to, to run this whole thing out of. Right. And uh, somebody that I had, had met years ago um, in the insurance industry, when I was working in the insurance industry, reached out to me and she said, hey, I've, I've got space. And it was a really good price. And and uh, she said that she would donate the space for the time that it took for the fundraiser to begin and end. Mm-hmm. So I came and moved into the space that I'm talking to you from now. And um, we started uh, talking about, you know, she was sort of somebody I networked with. And we talked about, you know, what to do in my fears within the business. And, and here I am now. I'm, I'm, I'm in this office. And, and then the Monday and the Tuesday came to sign that lease uh, where it was going to cost me $3,000 a month just to, to rent. Yeah. And um, all of a sudden I find myself in this space in Saskatoon uh, going, well, wait a minute, maybe I better hold off on signing this lease because I don't really know what's going to transpire from here. Exactly. So what happened was I ended up in this space that I was not planning on being in and was not expecting to be in and started working endless hours <laughs> on putting together uh, this fundraiser that was going to be the fam- for the families. In the meantime, in the meantime, in the background, uh, a lady from... Sylvie Kelvington, uh, I think, oh, I can't remember how you say her last name, from uh, Humboldt had started a GoFundMe, as I am sure everyone is aware of, with a with a request for uh, donations for, you know, up to $5,000. That GoFundMe campaign was actually intended to be able to help families offset the costs of hotels and coffee and, right. if you can believe it, as you may know, that thing has transpired. I think we're at over seventeen 
it, it closed out at over 16 million, but donations still continue to come in, and at our, it's over 17 million dollars. Unbelievable. So even during that time, um, as that was progressing, we started to see all of a sudden all these other companies. We were putting a lot of time and effort in, and thought into what we wanted to do, and in the meantime, other like-minded people were just getting the t-shirts out there and selling them and they were going with you know just a more simple logo and then whatnot and um a fellow from alberta uh in the promo industry um uh mr barry he he came forward and said hey um you know i might be able to help with the design of this and and he reached out to someone who who took my son's vision. Uh, they took my son's vision and realized that his, if I understand this correctly, that his graphic designer wasn't going to be able to do, but they found uh, the artist who um, did a design for uh, shirts for disaster relief in uh, Fort McMurray, Alberta, when they had those awful forest fires. Yeah. Um, he stepped forward and decided to hand-sketch this design from scratch and made this beautiful masterpiece of artwork that has never been released to the public yet. Right, right. And the reason the reason for that is because as everything transpired, then all of a sudden my very fear started to happen. All of a sudden people were starting to question the intentions of all of the promotional product distributors out there that were starting to sell shirts. Yeah. What was their motive? Are they actually profiting off of this? And I'm not going to speak to that one way or another because I don't know what their intentions or what their motives were. And I would only hope, knowing where my intentions were coming from, that everyone else's were the same intentions. Do I know that for a fact? I don't know. Do I know for a fact that other companies around the world have profited off that? Yes, I do. Um, But that is minuscule in comparison to what I was faced with as a company and as as a business building in this, what you would call a small town community province, now all of a sudden I was actually afraid to launch the fundraiser. Right. Because I, now now you have to understand at this point, there were um, a lot of reports in the media pointing fingers at businesses, and then I became concerned. So what we ended up deciding, I'm sorry, longer story long, um, (laughs) what what we ended up deciding is because the fundraiser was doing so well for the families, we decided that we would change the direction of the fundraiser and do it for STARS. So STARS is Western Canada's um, air emergency air services, if you will, yep. emergency ambul- ambulance in the air, and Stars played a huge role in um, the in saving lives in this in this tragedy. And um, maybe a small fact uh, that people may not know, and you know, for the listeners that that are listening right now, is one of the one of the victims of that tragedy, his dad was not far behind the bus, and he was actually an off-duty STARS emergency doctor. Wow. Um, dad of one of the boys on the team. And um, 
So anyways, going back to STARS Air Ambulance, I contacted them and I said, okay, look, um, the families are re receiving a tremendous amount of support. We respect that. We have this fundraiser in the background that we want to do because we want to help. Right. No, we don't want to profit off of this. We would like to do it for STARS in honor of the Humboldt Broncos organization. And why I thought that was a great fit and why I still think it's a great fit for STARS is because they they operate on donations. Yeah. That's how they they are able to save lives. And they cover the western provinces of Alberta, Saskatchewan and Canada, uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan and Manitoba. Wow. And those were the very provinces that yeah. were, you know, hit with tragedy. And and so I sent out an email to the SJHL, which is the governing body of the you know, the Humble Broncos organization. Um, and I needed to ask permission to to do this. Yep. I felt it was the only way to do this properly and professionally. And it was also because the Humble Broncos logo was right. embedded in the background yep. of this art, masterpiece of art. Right. And um, I didn't just want to start throwing things out there that had a logo that we didn't have a permission to use. So I sent out my emails to three different people in that organization, but the chaos that continued to occur days and weeks after the tragedy, we never heard back from them. We couldn't get a hold of them, and I couldn't get permission to use that logo. So then it became an issue of, like, the suppliers that we were going to be working with, they're, they're the ones who said no because they had been contacted by other organizations saying, do you have permission right. to print this logo? Right. So it became a, you know, it became quite the ordeal. And so in the end, what ended up happening, STARS was totally on board that they had since invited us. Uh, they've invited Robbie and, and my family to come and do a, a tour of the STARS uh, base, air base. And in the end, the president of the SJHL actually finally called me. And he apologized profusely, and he's such a nice man. And he said that he, he had seen the design, he was astounded by it, and he thought that it was a wonderful idea that we go ahead and do that, and, and he approved it. And uh, we also invited him to join us for, for this tour of the airbase, which still has not been done. And he even went so far as to not only approve the fundraiser, but he also released a statement to our our company um, to put out there for our, our media release when the time came. And now, fast forward to now, I, if you go back to all the beginning of this, I was starting a business. Right. I have, I have two mouths to feed. I have a kid who is in just finishing up in, in Minnesota at a goaltending camp. I have to be able to pay my right. way right. and keep my kids fed and, and, and my son in hockey. And so yeah. through all of that time that it was taking to get all of that, all of the ducks in a row for that fundraiser, I was actually having to actually start my business. Right. I had I had a conference I had to go to, and I was I had a trade show booth at this conference, and I mean so I had to shift back into wait a minute, 
oh my gosh, real I life. Have to start this business, or there isn't going to be right. There isn't going to be food in the cupboard. <laughs> real real life is getting in the way. <laughs> real life got in the way, and, yeah. and um, so now we we still have the fundraiser sitting in the background waiting to launch and I'm faced with now when is the right time to sure, do that. Sure. Well, the right time to do it is when you have the ability to process the orders when they come in. So make sure that you can do that and then you'll be good to <laughs> yeah. go. Right. I mean, that's, and, and the hard part about scaling a business is most of us, when we're starting our business feel some, I don't know what the right word is, I don't have to worry that I'm going to get a bajillion dollars worth of business on day one, so it'll give me time to learn what I'm doing. Well, you have absolutely no idea what might happen if you turn this thing on. So to make sure that you That's have right. the ability, as I know you to be, when I tell you I know you're an overachiever, is you don't want to let anyone down and somehow leave a bad <laughs> connotation in their mouth over having wanted to participate in the fundraiser. So I, I, I guess I, that to me... You know, if we're gonna have any final thoughts here, I I, I think you've 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 uh, you've stated that very well. Is the the notion of authenticity wins in the end, and Promo Cares and Promo Cares Radio and this whole series are really designed to help highlight those instances where we can sense the authenticity of what's going on. And I would tell you, this is as sincere of an effort I've seen in the collecting of all of these stories that we've been doing on behalf of promo care. So Kelsey, I mean, obviously we, we want to see you be successful. I suspect that the community that listens will once again, reach out to you and, and offer their support and helping you get wherever else it is that you need to be to feel comfortable in pulling the trigger on that thing. But uh, you know, on behalf of promo cares and the entire community. I, I just, I want to thank you for spending the time and telling your story with us today. It was very compelling and really inspiring and very authentic. And I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much, Roger. Can I have one last, one last moment? Fire away. Is there time? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I just want to, I just want to say thank you again. I, I want to say thank you. I, I don't have the list in front of me of all of the names there were too many people that reached out to me to help i'm grateful to the promo world for their support in all of this and uh, you know one thing that you you, you asked me and, and I, I jotted this down for anybody out there that is listening i want you to go back to your desk or wherever you are or just think for five minutes to yourself if something like this happened to me, if something like this happened in my community, how would I feel? How would I react? Do I want to step up? Is that my nature? And if that's your nature, I'm telling you right now, just like everybody has to have an emergency plan for a tornado, for an earthquake, or you know, for some other disaster that I can't think of off the top of my head, you, I, I, I say right now, put a disaster plan in place, write it down, have an idea of what you would do who you would go to, and be connected. Have those relationships with your suppliers. Have those relationships with your distributors. Have a relationship. Hug each other. Know who you're going to call. Reach out for help. I reached out for help just in what I should decide, and I got all of this hmm. help from everyone. And so to close, I would say thank you. Be prepared. 
and I love you all. I thank you so much for your support. Uh, I, I couldn't say it any better than that. Bravo, Kelsey. Thank you so much.